You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Episode 95 of the podcast. Good evening and welcome to it. Cody Abrams and Melbourne, we are your hosts. Uh, Great to be chatting with you on another week of the podcast. And uh, we're going to keep this one quick. So uh, we're going to be talking about... Uh, some breakout players that uh, could have some big years coming up in 2021-22. We're going to have one pick each uh, because not really much else to talk about right now, guys. We're waiting on some signings to get done. And then, of course, when is Jack Eichel going to be traded? But uh, we're not talking about that, obviously, uh, tonight. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about some potential uh, breakout players for this coming season. But before we get into all of that, how are you guys doing? As always, Harp, doing really well. Just got to spend a weekend in the woods doing some camping, and I always come back rejuvenated after that. So, real good, Harp. How are you doing, Chad? Wonderful. Uh, also, doing not too bad. Uh, looking forward to the four weeks before the season gets going because those four weeks for me when we record our you know prediction episodes and, and all of that those are the most fun for me and like you said Harp, not really much going on right now we're kind of waiting to see what teams are going to do to get their teams together but a few weeks from now you know once everything starts to seem a little more settled that's when the the fun podcast really starts so i'm looking forward to that but uh, all in all just just doing well and and this is going to be a fun episode we've got some some fun people to talk about some fun guys and hopefully we'll see a few breakout seasons coming up but yeah just ready to uh to get into it yeah for sure uh i'm doing good as well guys and uh just ready to get into this i I, i'm really excited for for this topic for this episode because i've seen quite a few videos and lists and articles that have come out of some young players that uh could potentially break out this year for uh for teams around the league so let's get right into it and uh casey we'll go to your uh we'll go to you first with your uh player that could potentially have a breakout season uh, this coming year in the National Hockey League. So take it away for us uh, to get us started. Yeah, when we first uh, pitched this idea, obviously I had maybe six guys I wanted to talk about with the Devils, but I knew that I wasn't allowed to do that, especially <laughs> after last week talking about them being the uh, the best offseason team uh, so far. So I decided to not stick with my team and uh, I'm going to talk about Kirby Doc with the Chicago Blackhawks because I think that this guy is clearly poised for a breakout season we were even thinking that last year everyone around the league unfortunately he went down last year with an injury broke his wrist in the uh, pre limbs at the world juniors whatever you want to call them the, yeah. against the, the Russians ran into that player kind of a freak little injury and broke his wrist it's out for a long time but Still had a great season when he came back in Q3 and uh, kind of vamped his points up right away. Like uh, if you look at his 82 game pace, he went from 29 points to 46 last year, already looking like a breakout player and that he would have had a breakout play uh, season last year. And uh, from what I've seen so far, he's going to be playing on a line with the Brinkat and 
Patty Kane. So I don't see how you cannot put up a ton of points with those guys. The Brinkat seems to put in the the puck in the net at least 40 times a year now or 30 times a year. And Patty Kane is just the dish master out there, best hands in the league. So that's a great line to play on. And then, you know, to go even further on that, it's just a way way more improved team this year with the Chicago Blackhawks and putting them in a much favorable position uh, so far this year and is going to get a little more playing time. He, he jumped his uh, time on ice per game from uh, I think it was 14-16 to 18-34 last year and so far in his career he's had a relatively low shooting percentage at 7.7 and 7.9% so he's going to start catching some breaks and he's really going to blow up this year. I, I I'm going to assume for sure. That's like, that's one of the key indicators, actually. I'm glad you said that, that a lot of people point to when we're talking about breakout seasons is shooting percentage because so many good players create so many good chances and opportunities, but the puck just sometimes doesn't seem to find the net. And I'm sure Kirby Doc is one of those guys. Like I haven't looked at his advanced stats, but I'm sure his puck possession and his chances for and against are all positive. I'm sure playing on a talented, you know, Team with a, a great top six so that's uh that, that certainly like his, his shooting percentage should go up and that's that's something good yeah that's that is certainly one of those ones that can make or break the predictions of a player uh kind of an example of that last year is yegor sharangovich heading into the nhl season was playing in the khl and had like 17 goals in 30 games in the KHL. But everyone was, you know, tempering all their expectations with him coming into the NHL because his shooting percentage, I believe, was up near 20%. Yeah. Or some something ridiculous like that. So it's one of those things where um, it's impossible to keep up a high shooting percentage like that. And when you have a very low shooting percentage, it's always expected that you're going to put the puck in the net much more. So yeah. it's an interesting stat. It's one I always keep an eye on when you're looking at rookies and, and quick blimps in seasons, like guys who only get to play 15 games or so. Yeah. And I talked about this last episode as well. Like with Chicago, they're in this weird like win now window where people thought they were going to rebuild and then i think like some of the players on the team like taves and kane kind of went whoa whoa whoa! we don't want to rebuild that was a couple years ago now or maybe about a year ago and so they did this like whole retool and they got mark andre Fleury and seth jones and like a handful of other guys who are going to you know be able to make this team better right now and so doc in that top six is only going to play with good players and he's going to get power play time and this team is going to compete so like that's definitely a really good candidate to have a breakout season yeah and the interesting dynamic of this team going into this season is they have jonathan taves back and what that means is that taves line is going to be driving all the play against the other team's top lines you you have to expect that so uh the doc kane debrinkat line is is probably going to be seeing you know more time against the second line or or the third line depending on if the third line's the defensive line or not so uh, that creates even more opportunity for doc out there yeah this is such a good pick for a breakout candidate for the upcoming season and what a shame like that we couldn't see more of doc last year and how he couldn't play a full world junior tournament with team Canada as the captain, by the way, he was named captain of the team. And like, I just think he would have been so dominant in that tournament and, and such an X factor for Canada. We could be sitting here, you know, over a, 
over a year later saying that, uh, you know, Canada ended up winning that gold medal and, yeah. and Doc was the MVP of the tournament and all of that. But uh, what I think back to with Kirby Doc was uh, how impressive he was in the playoff bubble in 1920 with Chicago when they took out Edmonton and they actually moved him from wing to center in the playoff bubble, which you don't see happen uh, with a lot of young players. So it just shows how mature he is both, uh, you know, physically and, and uh, character wise as well. And, and uh, he's such a big kid, such a talented kid. And yeah, I I really like this pick. I think he's going to be huge for the, uh, for the revamped uh, Blackhawks this year. Yeah. That's something that I looked at when I was kind of doing a little research for this episode, Harp, is where they were utilizing him so far in his career. And, and in the first season, it kind of seemed like they started him out uh, playing in the wing. They gave him a couple chances at center, but kind of stuck him out to the wing the whole time and played him with a you know a whole handful of different players, but but mostly to bring Cat, which was nice. And then you saw last year in the second half of the season when he was back with Chicago, he was playing... Um, playing on the wing with Kane and then eventually got added to center and finished out the season at center. And that's something you want to see, especially when you're big six foot four young guy, you you want him playing center because that just, you know, it's such an important position. And then having those two studs on the wing like that, it's going to be great for him to drive the playing and, and, go through the middle it's it's great so i'm happy to see them finally using him as a center yeah and using him a lot more and hopefully a lot more power play time like i said if and i'm glad they're using him at center as well because i think he is a natural center but so many players sort of get transitioned to the wing at the nhl level because of the defensive responsibility that being a top six center in the nhl entails but i'm glad that he is playing center because and and a little bit selfishly here and because I watched the Leafs the amount of times that you take a a winger at the NHL level and I'm thinking about William Nylander in particular and move him to center when you're in a pinch without giving him that opportunity like it just doesn't make sense you have to pick one or the other so I'm glad to see that they have at least this is what it looks like that they've solidified Doc as a centerman now, and that's going to be his position moving forward. And all the more reason to consider him a breakout candidate, just being able to play against, you know, good competition, playing with good competition or good players on his on his wings. And I think it's, uh, again, and I know I've said it before, but I think it's going to be a, a really good breakout year for, for Doc. So that's a good pick. Yeah, great pick for sure. Chad, let's go to you now with uh, your candidate for a breakout player this coming season. Okay, so Casey's not going to like this one because I did go with a player from my team, even though he said at the start he didn't feel like we were allowed to. But I will say that last episode we talked a ton about the Devils, and I was all for it, and I was all for the Devils having the best offseason. So I feel like I'm okay to to pick a leaf here for a a potential breakout candidate. So that's what I did. And uh, I picked Rasmus Sandin on the back end i think this player is gonna be so good and he's so much better already than a lot of people give him credit for because he played in sort of a sheltered role on a very crowded blue line last season for the maple leafs but the offensive upside and just the raw potential that this player has i think there's no question about it he could break out this season both offensively and defensively so let's get into some numbers and then we'll talk about it so 
Last season, he had four points in just nine games with the Maple Leafs. Like I said, he was playing on a very crowded blue line, uh, especially the bottom pairing positions. You know, you had Travis Dermott, Zach Bogosian, etc., all kind of, you know, jockeying for, for that bottom spot. So he was in and out of the lineup, but he played nine games and he had four points. So he was okay offensively, but again, sheltered role. He only played about 14 minutes a night almost exclusively on the third pair and then by the end of the season in and in the playoffs as well he was quarterbacking the power play so there's progression even in the season that I really liked and he just looked offensively dangerous a lot of the times when he had the puck two years ago uh, in the AHL so last season he didn't play in the AHL at all actually I think he might have one game but that's because he was he was involved in a lot of paper transactions with the Leafs so to get money off the NHL team down to the AHL team and he ended up like not playing at all for them because he was like a seventh on the Leafs or whatever so two years ago that's the only AHL stats we have he had 15 points in 21 games for the Leafs and he was clearly too good for the AHL as a defenseman and that was two years ago he's had two years of development since then which is really good to see but like I said at the NHL level played some sheltered minutes about 1440 a night started 62 percent in the offensive zone compared to 37 percent in the defensive zone so again you're only playing those offensive minutes uh, which is typically what you do with a younger player especially when you're tied to a guy like Zach Bogosian on the right hand side had a positive Corsi though, 56.9, controlled most of the chances when he was out there, and uh, so that's good to see. His RAPM charts tell us that he controlled a lot of the play, and it was by a pretty good margin in terms of his Corsi 4. He didn't generate much offense at 5-on-5, five five, but like I said, he was quarterbacking the power play at the end of the year. So with all of that, taking all that into consideration, I just think that Rasmus Sandin has already shown that he's talented offensively especially on the power play i think the five on five numbers are going to be next to come and if you look at his rpm charts as well he was a guy who was in the positive in all defensive categories so he wasn't giving up a ton of chances against as well as being able to contribute a little bit offensively so i think all of these indicators point to rasmus sandin having a breakout year with the maple leaves especially given the fact that i think he will probably be the quarterback power play from day one of the season Power play quarterback. I think I said that backwards. But anyways, boys, what, what are your thoughts on Rasmus Sandin? I know it's a homer pick. I know I'm biased, but just give me give me some thoughts here. Yeah, no, I'm when I said that I wasn't allowed to talk about the Devils, it's because I'm not allowed to talk about the Devils. <laughs> it's kind of expected that you're going to talk about the Leafs because, you know, you do every episode. So yeah. here we are. And uh, I'm not surprised at all. I was kind of... Um, interested to hear what player you're going to go with i thought maybe it was going to be robertson and uh you know there's a couple other guys in there that could have some breakout years but um i'm sure instagram wants you to talk about a uh, mike Yev, but he's already the goat so it doesn't really matter if he's going to have a breakout season yeah uh but it's interesting going with a defenseman because it, it kind of all depends on utilization with defensemen you know and uh i'm kind of interested to see uh your opinion as well as what actually happens um where he's going to play like who is he going to be paired with and i think that's going to be very important for his uh for his stat line as well as his his uh development so what's your what's your guess chad well 
I think he plays third pair on the left side to start the season, which doesn't fare well for uh, five on five time on ice. But I do think he's going to be the first quarterback on that first power play unit. So I think that's where he makes up a lot of time as well. And for killing penalties, I think he would be a go-to guy before someone like Morgan Riley. So I think he's probably on the second penalty killing unit. Maybe. I, I think he gets a shot there. So I think he, he'll earn a lot of minutes on special teams. And then I think as the season progresses, uh, you know, maybe they, they start to play him up on the top pair. Because I do think maybe even as early as next year, he can be a Morgan Riley replacement if the Leafs don't feel that they can afford him going forward. Morgan Riley going forward. So that, that yes, that's it, what I think. Okay, so you expect like late season playing with what tj brody at the top there or something like that maybe like it all depends right like ideally you want to have three good pairings i also think liliagrin will probably start on the right side as a sixth or a seventh and liliagrin is very good defensively as well so maybe those two form a pair and play penalty kill too but i think if any if he can get anywhere from like you know, 16 to 19 minutes a night. Like I think anywhere in that range will be a positive step for him and he'll be able to contribute again, both offensively and defensively in a positive way. So a comparison that comes to mind, obviously, because I'm a Devils fan is Will Butcher and the way that they utilized him. They put him with Ben Lovejoy on the bottom pair and he only played 16 minutes and four seconds a game in that season. That was his rookie season, but he also had 20 power play points Mm -hmm. and had 44 points in his rookie year in 81 games. And it's kind of a very similar situation where you want to play him at the bottom pair, play him someone who could play some big time defense and then put him on the power play and let him work his magic because you know, he has a skill and um, you know, it's pretty easy on the Leafs to get a lot of secondary assists playing on the power play. That's right. right. And I I just think like, and this is, you know, away getting away from analytics. I just watch him play, right? I just think a lot of the times he takes that extra second compared to a guy like Riley and he makes better decisions, especially on the power play, especially exiting his own zone. Like I think I'd have to look this up, but I think his transition numbers, they have to be pretty good. Like you watch him play and he just gets out of the zone so effortlessly. So there's a lot of upside to this player. And I think because like, you know, he's sort of in a crowded spot because let's not forget Travis Dermott is there. Uh, what's his name? Biega is there as well. Like they've got a handful of, of guys who can play on that bottom pair, but I think the least would be crazy not to put Sandine in that role and just watch him grow because again, I just think there's so much potential and he could really have a breakout season. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm definitely glad we're talking about Sandine and not Lilligren anymore. I mean, hey, I I still really like Lilligren. I think he's undervalued as a prospect. He's I don't think he's valued as a top prospect anymore. And fair enough, he's probably not at this point because he hasn't played. It's the whole, you know, shit or get off the pot with Lilligren. But this season, I really think he he starts to play because in a couple years, you know, you're losing a guy like Justin Hole. You're going to be losing uh, Morgan Riley, most likely. And you're going to need to make up both offensive and defensive minutes. And I think Lilligren excels defensively, whereas Sandine excels offensively. So I think those are two guys who can step up. And I think Lilligren is going to get a, a really good shot this year. But with Lilligren 
probably more so than Sandine. I think again, he'll be um, you know subject to a bunch of paper transactions because that's what the Leafs are going to have to do this year. And he'll be you know he's still on his ELC. He makes like seven hundred and whatever thousand, eight hundred thousand. So he'll be up and down a bit, but I think it'll be mostly on paper. I think Lilligren at least plays like 40% of the season. And if he doesn't, I think the Leafs are wasting him. Yeah, you know, I think all that being said, he's going to be a really good uh, trade piece at the deadline when they try to get a grittier guy to make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Again. <laughs> and and so be it, right? As long as it's not Nick Felino for a first and he plays four games or whatever. So. No, it's going to be oh, Nick Foligno for a little year again. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I, uh, I, I do like the pick. Chad, I think uh, I think Sandine is definitely one of those guys who we could see break out this year. And, you know, who knows, maybe put up 25, 30 points. I don't think that would be out of the question at all. And and uh, yeah, in the latter half of the season, he looked good quarterback in that power play. And is just he's he's got some offense in his game and and uh, just want to see the, the defensive part of the game come on a little more to where his offensive abilities are. But yeah, smooth skater gets out of the zone really well distributes the puck really well and and uh he's got a lot of talent so yeah i think this is the year that um like yourself and many other leaf fans are really looking forward to seeing what the young defenseman can do with a bigger role yeah i think that something that can really well really is the the gauge for me if he had a breakout season or not is the utilization going up and seeing him move up from the bottom pair to me that's a a, enough to call a breakout season on a pretty loaded team yeah like if he gets some more well like you know the special teams aside like he has to play more five on five right to be considered a breakout candidate and i'm willing to bet you know by the end of the year late in the game if the muzzin hall pairing just played two minutes straight or a minute 30 straight it might be sandine and brody or sandine and whoever going out on the ice like i think he's more responsibly defensively than people want to give him credit for because he's a young player and that's 10 that tends to be the case is for defensemen, right? You come into the league, like you've had the puck your whole life. You haven't really had to defend. So you're not, you know, you got to learn how to defend and keep up the offense at the same time. But he is, he is good defensively, but I want to be clear. I am not looking forward to watching him play or anyone on this team play in the regular season at all. I don't want to watch this team at all until the playoffs. So breakout candidate. Yes, but like I I hate this team right now and like he has to have an incredible year or something else has to happen to to win back a bunch of fans because my god I'm still not over that whole you know but whatever that's well this uh you said it man this year is important especially with the all or nothing uh series coming out on amazon prime what'd you think of that uh of that trailer that's it, gonna be pretty good i think listen it is it's gonna be really cool for someone like me who likes to see like the behind the scenes stuff what the players are up to where they eat in the city like where they hang out shit they do like that but like you just lost arguably the most embarrassing loss in franchise history to a team that finished 18th in the regular season where you were poised to come out of your conference and you know being the best in the Canadian division and then getting pumped like in games 5, 6 and 7 it's just a, like it's going to suck to relive it 
but it, it will be cool to see like the off ice stuff but a lot of fans don't even want to sure. watch it they Why don't name it all or nothing when it was it was nothing <laughs> like they got nothing that's a weird name to me as soon yeah. as i heard it i was like what yeah because no. we know yeah. the outcome right like yeah, we know nothing. we know we knew what happened and so but th- th- this thing has been in the works for a while we knew that this was coming like i've been ex- excited about this for like probably six months when or maybe even longer when i first heard that it was coming out but it's just weird man like i'll watch it and i'll be heartbroken again from watching it but i'll still watch it i'll tune in because i think it's cool the only thing that is is kind of disappointing is that like my favorite player is probably one of the quietest on the team like in the in the room and stuff because he doesn't like the media and whatnot so you'll probably see a lot of joe thornton you'll probably see a lot of like mitch marner and guys like that but i don't know like they're and i know we're getting on a tangent here but they're talking about it on the steve dangle podcast like what does marner have to show you like in his face in the locker room after that loss for you to be able to be like okay i understand that this guy was was really trying you do you know what i mean like because he's a guy who i think has polarized the entire fan base like you either love him or you hate him more people hate him i think now after the playoffs so yeah like i don't know it's gonna be tough to watch him pick up his phone in the dressing room and (laughs) watch austin matthews go through his satchel collection and yeah like everything like that it's gonna be so fun to watch yeah so you hear the sarcasm in my voice yeah i can hear it and i can see it too but no but it is ser- it is like a serious thing right like after the loss like in the dressing room like what do we have to see as like leafs fans to understand that they really felt this and that they thought they were so close or like to understand what went wrong or whatever right like it's I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to watching it, even though I'll probably hate some parts of it. But anyways, we're on a tangent. So sorry, Harp. Bring bring us back. No, no, that's okay. Last thing I'll say is that, you know, they've been going for it the last couple of years, right? Especially this year in particular. And that means giving up draft picks. They haven't had a lot of picks the last couple of years. So I like the Sandine pick guys like him, Robertson, Amirov in a couple of years, the list goes on. These guys are going to be really important in the future here for this team, that injection of youth that I think they, they really need. So uh, anyways, I I like that pick both your picks so far. Um, Okay. So, Shocker. I, I'm going with a, a Buffalo Sabre here uh, for my pick for a, a breakout candidate uh, this coming season. And, uh, you can know, I, I mean, can I just say, Hope, that we really sure. on this podcast, we really don't try to hide our biases, do we? Or if no. we do, we don't do it very well, which is which is funny, no, we, but it is what it is. Right. No, we certainly don't. And, uh, you know, boys, I, I just think that I think. Myself, along with other Sabres fans out there, just kind of need some some positivity, you know, some optimism, because it's kind of doom and gloom right now and waiting what's going to happen with the captain and all that stuff. But yeah. anyway, um, so my guy that I'm picking is R2 Rootsalainen. And uh, if you remember a while back, if our listeners remember, he was actually a guy uh, who was featured off the Sabres in our NHL E-Series. And I've seen this guy on a couple of lists, uh, the hockey guy, Chad, that you and I like on YouTube. Um, He had this guy on his list. Uh, I've seen him in a couple of different articles and things like that. And I I have to agree 100%. uh, I I wholeheartedly agree that 
he's going to be a, a, a big breakout player for the Sabres this season, potentially. Um, 23 years old. He's uh, he's from Finland, an undrafted player, by the way. Um, so great scouting by the previous uh, Sabres regime, Jason Botterill and company. He can play both center and wing. And his development the last couple of years has just seemed to um, get better and better. He was a point-per-game player in the SM Liga in uh, 1920 and then over a point-per-game player last season in that same league in Finland. He had 27 points in 19 games to be exact. He comes over to Rochester in the American Hockey League. Uh, by far the best player leading them offensively. He was a point-per-game player, 13 points in 13 games, and then had a pretty good showing in 17 games with the Sabres. Once he was finally called up, he had five goals and six points and uh, immediately developed some chemistry with Dylan Cousins and uh, a really exciting line for a short period of time under Don Granado down the stretch was Rutzelainen with Cousins and Andres Bjork, which is really exciting. Uh, also, he looked excellent for Team Finland uh, at the uh, the 2021 World Hockey Championships, where they lost, obviously, to Canada uh, in the gold medal game. And you know, he's a very small forward, as you guys know. He's only five foot nine, but he's got a ton of speed and skill. He's got some grit to his game. He can play center and wing, as I mentioned, and uh, can also play in all situations. You can uh, have him on the penalty kill. You can uh, have him on the power play as well, either in the middle because uh, center is his natural position, uh, or if you need a guy uh, along the half wall, either on the left or the right side, uh, to have a good shot on the power play he can certainly be that guy as well so I really like Rutzelainen's game and uh, he's going to have to be important not only this year but in the future for the Sabres but for this coming year in particular I I definitely think he's a breakout candidate and I know that I'm not the only one that thinks so so uh, guys thoughts on my pick I certainly don't know too much about the player, although I do remember doing the NHL E and figuring like, oh, my God, this guy, he's kind of blowing up uh, the Liga. And then, as you said, the stats, I looked them up on the side here and he was almost a goal per game and he was absolutely lighting that league up. He definitely has the skill. And just the one thing that I'm kind of worried about when talking about him being a breakout player is the fact that he's playing for the Buffalo Sabres and it's going to be pretty hard for anyone to break out on that team for the next couple of years. Um, but maybe it's the case of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights or something like that, where a player that on many other teams who may not be getting quite the shot, uh, while with Buffalo, Roostalainen is probably going to be playing quite a few minutes. And like you said, on the power play and penalty kill. So uh, I guess just based off sheer time on ice, this guy has an awesome chance of having a breakout season. And yeah, if he's playing with Dylan Cousins, at least he's got a partner out there. Yeah, that's pretty much sums up what I was going to say. Like this guy is going to get a shot because if you're going to play for the Sabres, you're going to get a shot. Um, There aren't many guys who play at the NHL level this year, and that's because they're going into a rebuild, which fair enough. And they're probably going to trade Jack Eichel, so he won't be there. So Jeff Skinner might be the guy offensively, and then after that it's 
you know, all the all the young guys. I thought you might have said Middlestat for for a breakout season. We're still kind of waiting on him. I think he was okay last season, but you know, to to be a true talented player, I thought you might say him. I thought you might say Rasmus Asplund, um, another one who could have sort of a breakout year this year, but. You know, it's a good pick. I'll I'll side with Casey here and just say that I'm in a similar camp. Like, I don't know too much about the player. I know he's an undersized, talented forward. I do recall doing the NHLE and and thinking to myself, like, this guy could be a good player, but don't really know much about him. So I think it's a good pick, Harp. And, you know, if we're talking again, just sheer time on ice, like, he'll he'll get a shot. And why not? So one thing I think about when I look uh him and where he's played is you know initially when i'm looking at him playing in the liga you think okay a lot of ice um to skate and a lot of room he's a smaller guy he can zip around well how's he going to do in a tighter north american rank well then he came over to the ahl and did just as good there so uh to be good in the ahl you gotta have skill and to be good in the liga you gotta be able to skate well to make it to the NHL from the AHL, you have to have skill and be able to skate. Well, yeah. looks like he's kind of put both those games together, at, or not together, but he's displayed both aspects of those games in two different leagues. Let's see if he can put it together in the NHL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that, definitely. That seems to be a good assessment. And Harp, I think you mentioned it when you first brought the player up. Like, How many points did he have when he in the NHL last season? He said he had like five or six points or something. He had uh, six points in in seventeen games, and and five of those six points were all goals. So he he definitely has the ability to to put the puck in the back of the net. That's for sure. Well, and they're going to need someone to do that. So there you go. Yeah, it goes, I mean, goes back like, to opportunity, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, there's no question that this team is not going to be scoring a lot of goals. I mean, we'll see. Like, hopefully they're able to add some some good forwards from a Jack Eichel trade wherever he ends up going. But look at this line, looking at this lineup right now, I mean, there's, besides guys like Victor Olofsson and hopefully Jeff Skinner bouncing back, there's not a lot of just pure finishers, but you know, maybe Rutzelainen could be one of those guys. And and another thing too, I think guys, I, I think like with all of the young players that come to mind with the Sabres, I think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle, but I, I, I do think that he is one of the more talented young players that they have. So anyway, I've seen him on a, on, uh, a few lists and and I do think he could be a breakout player for this season. So what Harp I, I wanted to ask because because breakout is very vague, right? And we've all kind of have we all kind of have our own definitions of what we think a breakout season is. Casey mentioned, you know, maybe pushing someone else down the lineup if it's a crowded blue line, someone like Rasmus Sandin. But what do you what do you think or, or like what what would you say a breakout season would be for this player on the Sabers? Like points wise, let's say. You know, I, I think 30 points, like if, if Rutzelainen were able to go out, have 15 goals, 15 assists, I say that would be a very good breakout year for, for a guy like that. Whereas, you know, you'd be, you'd be looking at a guy like Casey Middlestad and maybe expecting like a 50 point season or 45, for example. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, a 25, 30 point season would be very, uh, very solid for this player. And just as long as 
anyone, any of the guys that we took, Doc, Sandine, or Rutzelainen, who we've been talking about uh, over the last few minutes, just as long as they up their point totals from the previous season or whenever they were healthy last, I think is considered a breakout year. But yeah, like looking at projection number of points and kind of where they should be, where we think they should be. I think, you know, if he could go out, put up 15 and 15, I think that'd be very solid. Cause I know right now, like daily face off has come out with those like line projections. He is projected to be on the third line, but guys like let's face it. When we're talking about Buffalo, like these lines will not be set in stone for a young no. team, right? Like, everyone's going to have to be able to to move around up and down the lineup and there's going to be a ton of opportunities so um yeah right now i think they've got him on the the third line with rasmus asplin centering it and then vinnie hinnestros on the other side but personally i would just like to see him back with the guy that he seemed to have chemistry with right away and that's dylan cousins Well, that's what you should do on a rebuilder, right? It's just who's going to get, you know, when everybody can play, but you've got no one stepping up or who is expected to step up, who are you going to play the most in those situations where opportunity is there? The most talented guys. And that's, you know, if he's one of the most talented players, he's going to get an opportunity. So don't read into daily faceoff too much because until the season starts and we see how it goes and like we we really don't know what the lines are going to be. So. Yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yep. And I'm glad that you brought him up here, Harp, because I like to have a storyline with every team to kind of be able to stay connected with every team in the league. And I didn't have one for Buffalo other than Jack. <laughs> and I'd rather put my own head through a brick wall. So uh, I'm glad that I have a storyline to watch with Buffalo. And I hope that uh, he has some success this year, although I don't think the team's going to be very successful. No, no, they're not going to be very successful at all. But man, like uh, like you said, Case, you could have chose like six guys on the Devils. I do feel that way about the Sabres, just with the amount of youth that um, is going to be given a, a big opportunity with this team this year. So anyway, yeah, I'm going with Roots Line. So uh, anything else before we wrap up, boys? No, sir. I, I just want to say that it's funny before each episode we always think it's going to just be a short one but we always just have more to say you know so this is about you know 35 40 minutes going right now we thought it was going to be 20 but it is what it is when you start talking hockey like it just flows you know <laughs> that is always how it goes uh certainly ready for uh, training camp and next season to start and uh yeah once again just we'll keep watching the the news and waiting on some signings to go down and then of course when is jack eichel going to be traded so anyway the rest of it should be pretty interesting uh great to talk about some potential breakout candidates uh, again to recap kirby doc rasmus sandine and r2 roots all solid picks i think let us know what you think on our instagram and we'll be back with another episode next week thanks for tuning in This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.